another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. If you're there, shout yes. If you haven't got a Bible, just turn to a nearby Christian. You'll find one. Verse 16, I love this passage. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Come down to chapter five, verse four. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith and not by sight. I love this passage. It's such an amazing passage. And I I often reference it in my preaching and in my, my thoughts about our Christian faith as it so beautifully outlines for us the tension between our future and our now. Our entire lives are a tension between a future reality, a home in heaven, and eternity with Christ, the promise of of our lives being made complete, of the perfection, the beauty, the peace, tranquility, the satisfaction, the totality, the utopia of our heavenly environment, and the challenges of our now, our now in which we know difficulty, suffering, pain, adversity, and joy, but in which we live knowing that there is something greater that is still ahead of us. In verse 16, it says, we do not lose heart. Outwardly, we might be wasting away, but inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Verse 17, I love it. Our light and our momentary troubles are are not worth comparing to an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our light and momentary troubles, our eternal glory, which stands in such an amazing position. In verse four, it says, in our now, our mortal body, our mortal body, our body that is destined to death, will be eventually clothed with a heavenly dwelling and swallowed up in life. The promise of eternal life compared with a mortality that is in our here and now. Our now is filled with groans and burdens, but our future is filled with life and promise. And then in verse 7, it wraps it all up and it says, if we're going to live the life that God wants us to live. The Apostle Paul, speaking of his own testimony, he says, we live by faith and not by sight. We live from the future and not from the now. You know, when we come to know Christ, we come alive with the thought that we have a future. 
When we come alive into Jesus, when we discover what it is to know Christ, we discover Christ, our spirit comes alive, our spirit comes alive, and then we know that we have a future with Him in heaven. This is a central trait of our faith. God awakens us to see something beyond the moment. When we come to know Jesus, we are born again. This is what Nicodemus struggled in his conversation with Christ to get his head around when Jesus says, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said, how, how can a man be born again? Missing the fact that when you and I were born into this world, we were born with a body that was alive and a spirit that was dead. But Jesus is talking about an eternal change that comes into a life when that life is then discovers Jesus Christ, when salvation comes to us, when salvation comes to our lives, we are born again as God's Holy Spirit makes our spirit alive. And even though we have a body that is dying, we have a spirit that is living. We are born with a body that is alive and a spirit that is dead. When we are born again, we are then born again with a spirit that is alive. And even though the mortal body might be in decay, we have the promise of new life. Which is why the Scripture so beautifully puts it, that outwardly we might be wasting away, but inwardly our spirit is being renewed day by day. To be born again is the most exhilarating and liberating experience in life. It's jubilee when Christ comes to us. The promise of a fresh start, of no baggage, no guilt, no shame. All our debts have been canceled. Now death, was, where is your sting? Our resurrected King has rendered you defeated. Forever He is glorified, we sang. As we now stand in the promise of jubilee, of life in Christ, of our debts canceled, of our spirit made alive. And because of Jesus, we now have a yesterday that is forgiven, a today that is filled with opportunity and promise. And because of Jesus and because we have been born again, we are filled with a promise of tomorrow that is alive in our hearts. In verse 5, it kind of lands this passage perhaps in a new light when it begins to say in verse 5 that uh, now God has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing that which is to come. And if I can break this down for us this morning, church, what the Bible is saying is it's saying when you and I were born again into, into our faith, that the central change that came was not on the outside of our lives, but on the inside of our spirit. And the Bible says that when you are a child of God, when you have faith in Jesus, when Jesus is alive in your life, that His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Our spirit comes alive. We know on the inside of us that heaven is our home. And the Bible puts it like this. It says that He has given us the spirit as a deposit. It's important for us to understand this because when we talk about our faith, we aren't necessarily talking about changes that affect in the immediacy our temporal environment. But we are talking about a change that happens in the spirit on the inside of us. We are born again. 
And that Holy Spirit comes to us. The moment the Holy Spirit is infused with our spirit, our spirit has a future. Our spirit comes alive. And the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing that which is to come. Guaranteeing heaven. Part of us already fits into heaven. And when the Holy Spirit comes to us, it is through that promise that new life comes into our hearts. And because of that, we live knowing. Because the Holy Spirit is in us, we live knowing that we have a deposit that is guaranteeing our future. I mean, some get so excited when they get their KiwiSaver statements and watch their deposits guaranteeing a one day having a better inheritance or a better, you know, promise of something in the days that are to come. But the reality is so much greater in our faith that when we receive the Holy Spirit, He is a deposit into our hearts. And because of the promise of the Holy Spirit, part of us knows immediately that heaven is our home. I don't know how to explain it any other way. It's so difficult to kind of dress it up. But the moment you receive Christ, you just know that even though you're living in the same neighborhood, you're working in the same job, you've got the same bank balance, that because of Christ and because of the Holy Spirit alive in your heart, that you now live with the certainty. It doesn't matter really what happens today or the challenges of tomorrow. Because from this moment forward, heaven's my home. It just lifts you, doesn't it? In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 22, it says, Now it is God who, both make, who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has appointed us, setting his, anointed us, setting His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. It goes again in Ephesians 1, verse 13. You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. This is what it means to be in touch with the Holy Spirit. It's to come alive with a sense of a future, to know that we've been sealed in Christ, that our future is guaranteed. In verse 16, it says, Outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. My body might be weakening, but my spirit is strengthening. My present might be consuming, but my future is calling. When the Holy Spirit breathes into a life, I'm just trying to simply say that the breath of the Holy Spirit upon a person will always awaken a sense of a future. You know, the Scripture says about Saul, that when Saul was anointed king, that with his anointing came the Holy Spirit upon his life. And because the Holy Spirit came upon his life, that he prophesied about the future. You know, it's the same for every single one of us. When the Holy Spirit enters into our lives, roughly speaking, we know in some form or fashion that the Holy Spirit is calling to us about our future. Amen? And that sense, that sense of a future comes from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. 25% of the inspired Word of God 
The Bible tells us that men received the anointing of the Holy Spirit and under His inspiration, they penned every page in this book. And 25% of it is strictly recorded as prophecy, declaration about future things, meaning that when the Holy Spirit is breathing upon a life, the breath of the Holy Spirit calls out a sense of a future. The final book in the Bible is the book of Revelation. What is the book of Revelation? It's a prophecy. But in other words, God wants you and I to have the final thing we read in His Word, the surety of a new heaven, of a new home, of the consummation of perfection, of us entering into the state of life that God wants for us. The final thing that we read is the promise of God, the promise of, of eternal life. In other words, in our lives, whenever the Holy Spirit comes to us, it calls out the promise of eternity through a spirit of prophecy. Meaning it doesn't matter who you are in this room. If you know that heaven is your home, then we can all know the promise of a, of a God-ordained future. Not just in eternity, but in this life that we have here on earth. And the more we come in touch with God, then the more that our sense of destiny, our sense of future is awakened on the inside of us. God wants every believer to live with the promise of a future. No matter whether you're eight or 80, God wants our hearts to beat for something greater. Whether it is in the final chapter of our life, making provision for what is to come. Joseph, who said, don't bury me here, but carry me when, when you enter into the promised land. Take my bones with you. I love that because it's always for every life, every believer about saying, let my life count for something greater. Let me be part of God's eternal plan. Fill me with a dream for my future, a promise for my children, an echo of a greater life for every single one of us. It's God's desire that we would live like the Apostle Paul described, alive that tomorrow is going to be better than today, knowing that His promise beats in our heart. It is the Spirit of God when we worship the Lord in our church services. There's a reason why we just refuse to settle for the motions of worship. My desire for our congregation is Holy Spirit-infused worship. Because when the Holy Spirit is present in a life, this Holy Spirit that guarantees our inheritance also awakens within us in that guarantee a sense of future on the inside of every life. You can, you can prophesy to yourself when you've got the Holy Spirit. Come on. Oh man, have you ever had a moment? I know I've had one. When you're standing in worship, corporately, privately, maybe in a moment of prayer, corporately or privately, and the Holy Spirit begins to move on your life. Anybody ever had that moment knows that in that second, in that glimpse, in that transaction, when the divine jumps into your life, God always awakens a sense of future, a sense of destiny, a sense of promise, a sense of a future for you. And if you've come into this building this morning feeling like all there are are momentary troubles, of all you feel in your heart, 
is the thought that this life is difficult, that you're being given over momentarily to death, then my friend, it is so vital that you take a moment in God's presence. Let God inspire that promise of a greater life. Maybe you've come in not knowing Christ, walking into the service this morning and not knowing what it is to have this transaction in your life take place. Then this can be your morning. This can be your moment when the promise of eternity comes alive in your heart as you discover the Jesus who has paid the price for, an etern- for our wrongdoing, our sin, and has made a new way for us. And in every season, in every moment of life, God wants to inspire a sense of future in us. The Holy Spirit, when He is working in the lives of people, inspires a prophetic sense that my life is alive for a purpose. Do you believe that this morning? Oh, my friends, I believe this with all my heart. In fact, you know when the, when the, the day of Pentecost took place, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit fell on the early disciples in their upper room as they were watching and waiting. And as the Holy Spirit fell, they began to prophesy about future days, about things that were in store. People said, what's going on in this place? And the apostles Paul stood up and in Acts 2.17, he says, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your young men will dream dreams. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your young, your men and women will prophesy. In other words, every person will live their life with a sense of a future on the inside. That's God's desire. That is God's want. That you and I would live a life knowing that there is a future. And that we would carry that future into our here and now. We're in the middle of a lot of work at the moment for our, our Arise HQ. It's such an exciting season as we're preparing to build this, this building to be a, an HQ for our activities as a church to, to enable us to have a greater impact in the city of Wellington, the region of Wellington. And then obviously to be a hub of activity as we continue our expansion of reaching New Zealand for Jesus Christ. Along with every other great Bible-believing church to see New Zealand, New Zealanders reach for Christ and discover His promise. It's an exciting season of dreaming. And you know, this week's been a lot of activity about it. And one night this week, I think it might have been Thursday night or maybe Wednesday, Jillian and I, we're at home and I was saying, you know what, baby, there's a lot going on. And I'm, I'm talking to her about, you know, the decisions we're making and about everything that we're involved in. She said to me, sweetheart, isn't it amazing that this is a 12-year dream in your heart? I said, what are you talking about, darling? I actually had no idea. She said, do you remember the weekend when we first came to Wellington? I said, what are you talking about? No, I had called Gillian from Costa del Sol, Spain in April of 2002. And I said, Gillian, I'm on the other side of the world, but I feel like God's speaking to me. I remember I was in the middle of a taxi on my way to an airport 
And I said, Jillian, I feel like God's spoken to me that we're supposed to go to Wellington. When I land back into New Zealand, I want you to meet me at the airport and we're going to fly down and spend the weekend in Wellington to celebrate our wedding anniversary, which is on the 27th of April. And so we came to Wellington for the weekend. I mean, if you've heard the story, it wasn't exactly a phenomenal weekend. The weather was absolutely atrocious. We had no rental car. We couldn't afford one. We were staying at a bed and breakfast, the first and the last time in my life that I've ever stayed in a bed and breakfast. Don't understand it. I want to have my own space. I want to be Lord of my own environment. I don't want to be a guest in somebody else's house. I'm a control freak. We didn't even know about Courtney Place. We ate meals on Manor's Mall back then. Manor's Mall. Kind of like a Wellington way of saying gangster's paradise in 2002. People sniffing glue and, you know, we went to the movies. The movies were terrible. Well, we ate at Abracadabra. God bless you. But you know, I mean, it's just not exactly an amazing environment. And, and I'm thinking, where am I? I'm getting wet and cold as I'm walking from Thorndon down to Manismore. You know, we caught, the, the, we caught a taxi out to Lower Hutt. I remember getting in the taxi. I remember standing at the outside of Queenscape Mall. By the way, this is before they renovated Queenscape Mall. I mean, it's a pretty decent mall these days, but back then it was terrible. I mean, you know, we lived down the road from St. Luke's, and now we're, now we're, we're envisaging living in a city with Queensgate Mall and its old state, and I'm like, oh, dear God in heaven. But you know what? In that taxi drive on the way out to Lower Hutt, we got to the Hutt Valley, and I have no recollection of this, but Gillian said as we drove through the hut, I kind of remember it, but she said, as we're driving through the Hutt Valley, you said to me, sweetheart, this is where we're going to build a large facility. We can build a larger one out here because the land is cheaper. And we can house our Bible college and resource what we're going to do throughout the entire greater Wellington region. And she said to me, darling, this is what she said on Wednesday night. She said, you told me about this 12 years ago. And I thought, isn't it amazing? How when you've got Christ in your life, even whether you remember it or not, God begins to inspire a sense of a future on the inside of you. Oh man, maybe in this series, God could just call to light even a dead or dormant dream that's inside of somebody in this room. My prayer for this year's Arise Conference is that dreams for churches are gonna come back to life that people have got a sense of promise over their lives. And it might have thought that God had missed them by are going to come alive again with that sense that we serve the God of a future. We serve the God of promise. We serve the God of so much more. We serve a God who wants to inspire a future on the inside of us. Bring us back again to this reality that as real as the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, as real is the challenge of the future and the now. Light and momentary troubles, eternal glory, a mortal body that is heading towards death and an inner soul that is heading towards life. We live every day with the challenge of a future and of a now. And the challenge of our future and our now is really at the center of why our faith can be so Hard to figure out sometimes because our now is what stares us in the face.
now is where you live. There is a Holy Spirit who yearns within us to put that promise of a future at the center of our lives. But I don't know about you, but I reckon so many times in life, we end up living with a now that screams louder than the sense of our promise. Amen. And so it is that I want to talk to you this morning about the challenge of living between the now and the future. Because everybody has a now. And if we live only in the now, then we will never walk into the future God's got for us. But when we live with the future at the center of the way we live, then my friends, we can move forward into the plan that God has got for us. When you read the Apostle Paul's writings, not only in this passage, but throughout the New Testament, he is effectively saying, I refuse to let what is happening to me in the now govern me, limit me, and hold me back. And I don't know what's going on in your life this morning that could threaten to enslave you to the now. I'm here to tell you that God wants us alive with a sense of the future that He is taking us into. When you meet people who are alive for the future, they will always inspire you. I mean, we had a dear member of our congregation go to be with the Lord a month or two ago, Yvette. And you know, every time I spoke to Yvette in the foyer, she passed away through cancer, but every time she came to church, I remember the first time I ever met her, you know, just this promise of something great was always alive in her life. And then off and on, she would come to church with here, without here, you know, bandana, no bandana. You know, body went through stages of decay, yet you could only ever say that for a vet, the promise of the future was always greater than the difficulties of her today. She just lived every day with that sense, God's going to heal me. Something great is in store. I don't know why you're here in the, in the uh, hospice, you know, gathering around. I don't know why you've even come. God's going to heal me. And you know what? Eventually she was healed as she is now in heaven restored to the state that God desires for every single one of us. And her healing is complete, but her life on this earth was a, just a testimony of what you can be like when momentary troubles just don't grab the center of who you are. And if there is one thing about our faith that God wants is for the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives to call out the future to put the future that God's got for us at the center of every situation, every challenge. It's the only way that we live the life God's got for us. So there is a challenge for every single one of us, my friends, between our now and our future. Let me talk to you about five comparisons between the now and the future. And the first one is between the pressure that calls and the promise that calls. Because every day of our lives, we are surrounded by noises, true? There is a sound, a call from our pressure. <laughs> I mean, this morning, I got, you know, uh, to church this morning, and I did well. I got here early. I got to be here at 9 o'clock, and I got here at 8.55 when I pulled into the car park. I, I arrived at church this morning with a wife who left for the airport so early that I had to go outside and literally like hose down the front windscreen of her car. Her car is supposed to live in the garage, but Will's overtaken the garage with a Lego world. God bless the Lego movie, but now he's demanding an entire Lego room. I kid you not. 
Our entire garage is devoted to his own little Lego world that he's creating out there. So I'm outside with the hose at, you know, like 10 to 7 this morning, like standing there with freezing cold feet, hosing down her windscreen so that she can pull out and head to the airport. Then I come back inside and I've got Will and I've got Lara and my cousin, my, my niece, sorry, my, my children's cousin, Eliana, with us from Christchurch. And you know, we're getting ready to go to church this morning. And then I'm going to Christchurch tonight with Will. So we got the girls going to the pools this afternoon. We've got breakfast. They all want smoothies. I've got my own shirt to iron. I've got three kids. I've got a suitcase to make sure that it's packed up and Eliana doesn't leave her wardrobe behind as she goes back to Christchurch tonight. And it's just all on everywhere. And then I got to get to church. And the reality is there's a pressure that calls. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I expected some mothers to at least say amen. Come on, girlfriends. There's a pressure in every now. Always a pressure. But you know what? The voice that's loudest in our lives will be the voice that governs our lives. That's why not only does pressure call to us, but the promise calls to us as well. In moments of stillness, in moments of prayer, in moments of worship, the promise calls to our lives. Our life is about noises, screams and yells, and the voice of pressure can call to us. But in the future, the voice that calls to us is the voice of our promise. The voice of pressure calls to us with stress and the other with rest, one with with adversity and the other with opportunity. And that's why God wants you and I to not just live with the voice of our pressure impacting our lives. That's why I encourage every person to always take time in their mornings and their evenings when they spend time with God. You know, you've heard my message on Thoughtpocalypse, so changed my life as God spoke into my heart that He was after my thoughts because I've found that moments in God's presence are moments when the future can call to us, when the promise does speak to us, when something comes alive in our hearts. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, He's given us great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That should be up on the screen. That there is a promise that comes to us that allows us to participate in the plan of God. The Holy Spirit that enters our lives also comes to us through the promise of God. It calls to us so that we may escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The second thing that's a comparison between the future and the now is the vague with the specific. You know the problem with today is that today is always vague. Everything is uncertain about today. Our todays are filled with our fears, true? They're cloudy, they're vague, we doubt today. We have challenges today. We always are filled with apprehensions in our today. But every dreamer knows in this room, I'm not asking you to make contact with whether your dream is gonna enter your today. But when we step out of today and we step into the future, out of the now and into the future, the future is always specific. 
The dream is always clear. Heaven is our home. God's promise for me is peace. And the challenge sometimes in life is not to live in just the vague and the doubt of the now, but to live in the specific of the promise of God. You know, in our lives, we don't have to know it all, understand it all, do it all, but we do have to grab the promise of God and put it at the center of our lives. Take that specific yearning of God and make it so clear in our lives that we cannot you know, underperform and, and just shoot for today. If we live only with today, then we will always be clouded with uncertainty and fears. But when we live with the promise, it shifts us from the vague to the specific. The promise of God comes alive in our lives. It's Philippians 3.12, where the Apostle Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already become perfect. I haven't already arrived at my goal but I, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's saying there's a lot of stuff around me, but I choose to let it go and grab hold of that certain promise that is alive in my heart. Yeah, come on, let's give God some praise for that this morning. The third tension between our now and our future is between our, what we see and what we believe. See, verse seven summarizes our passage this morning when it says, we walk or we live by faith and not by sight. Because what we see now is always going to be uncertain. But when we open our eyes to look, not with just what we see, but when we open our eyes to see with the spirit of faith, then it causes us to live truly for the future that God's got for us. Let's switch it to the prop, let's switch it to the good side. In our challenge between the now and the future, is often confronting the fact that what we have now, we value highly. What we see, we value. And the only way to step into the future that God's got for us is going to be in moments of time when we decide that what we see is not going to govern our decisions. That we're gonna open up our lives to the Lord that might ask us to leave behind what we now see and to step into what He has for us. There are moments where we must forsake what we see, when we must give up, be willing to surrender what we have. The future most often comes into our lives at a price in the here and the now. Being willing to let go of perhaps our daily routines, our pressures, maybe it is our natural comforts or even our possessions, to enter into the future that God's got for us. There is always going to be a challenge between the now and the future. And the only way we step into the future is when we are governed not by what we see, but by what we believe. The fourth one, and Sean, you can come and join me. The fourth challenge is between what we need to get done and who we want to become. Every day, every day, I don't know about you, but Everywhere I am, people have got to-do lists. How are you? Busy. How's things going? Lots on. 
I mean, we tend to award those in our society who have the longest to-do lists, the most appointments. Busyness is almost like a trump card that we play as being a sign of real effectiveness in life. Those who get rewarded are those who can get the most done. But the challenge in life, if we're gonna step into the future God's got for us, is to not only live thinking about what needs to get done, but who do I want to become? Not just about today's troubles, but about tomorrow's destiny, about the person God wants me to be. The great question that should govern our days is not what we need to get done, but who we want to become. Without an investment in who we want to, want to become today, then tomorrow will look exactly the same as today. Our days are filled with so much action and so much activity that it can be that we fail to invest in tomorrow because of what we're living in today. And perhaps the greatest and most central way we bring out our future into our now is by allowing the future to govern our lives and our energy. You know, around Arise, we've always got a lot that we're doing. I mean, we're always busy. I mean, when we started Arise back in the day, I used to say to the team at every Christmas party, it's been a big year. Thank you all for stretching so hard. Next year is gonna be a whole lot easier than this year. I don't know when it was, but I remember maybe about four or five years into this journey, one day I just said to the guys at the Christmas party, this year's been huge. By now they know the speech, right? They're waiting for me to say, and next year is going to be easier. None of them believe me now. And I just said, you know what, guys, this year's been huge, and next year's gonna be bigger. We're gonna work harder next year than we worked this year. And then they all laughed, because they knew it was absolutely gonna be the case. And we've, we've gone all out for 11 years and we end up with a to-do list that are a mile long. I mean, we have project plans. We have software that we work with to keep everything on track. And we've got, we've got you know, Wonderlist and we've got everything you can imagine and synced up schedules and, you know, everything's just so like on the go all the time. And it can be that the to-do list begins to govern your life. And the problem with the to-do list is that it makes everything of equal priority. It just sits there, one through 40, one through 100. All the stuff, get the groceries, get the kids out the door, get to work, book that flight, do that thing, send that email, pay that bill, do this next thing, get the, project, get the thing done, get the thing, contract off the client, blah, 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 blah. And in the middle of it all, it's probably something that gets closed out 90% of the time for most people. Not what do you need to get done, but who do you want to become? Where do you want to go? At the beginning of this year, I, um, I started writing in this book, and I generally always have one. And this is not my to-do list as much as it's my, it's my action list. It's like, this is my future list. This is where is Arise going? Where are we headed? 14 campuses in the next 10 years. A network of life groups that's not limited by geography or location. A church without boundary and walls. Look after the poor and needy, prisons. Be able to impact prisons for Jesus. 
You visited me when I was in prison. That's Matthew 25. We need, to, we need micro campuses. We need to be able to go into, into places where we don't have an Arise campus and just set up a, a large screen television, a couple of speakers, and be able to just have a service anywhere we want. We need to be able to, we need to, be able to do, just write it down. Discipleship is the key to the future. My children will be blessed. I believe every Christian needs time in their life where they just stop thinking about what needs to get done and just focus on who they want to become. The fifth thing I think is between the difficult and the destined because it's so easy in our lives to live with just the difficult instead of the destined. You know what I found? to be true, and I reckon you probably have as well, is that the greater the destiny, the greater the difficulty. And the more God plans to do through us, then the more He tends to work in us, and the more the devil attacks us. And it's easy to get to a point where what we've focused on is the difficulty and not the destiny. It's dangerous, because you can give up the future when the difficulty begins to consume. It made Elijah wander out into the wilderness, say, I might as well give it up now. And God had to take him to a cave and a whisper and a fresh promise, right? God had to put the future in his now to stop Elijah from just giving up on it all. But it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. I believe that for every single one of us, God has a future. And the challenge for us is to let that future begin to completely impact our now. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not upon what is seen, but upon what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Remember that. But what is unseen is eternal. Though we live in this tent, this body that is mortal, we know that one day death will be swallowed up in life. He has given us a Holy Spirit that is a deposit that reminds us every day, every day that we give Him the opportunity that you're going to make it out of this that there is something greater ahead, that our lives have got a destiny, that we can't settle where we are today, that there is always something greater. Come on, and that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Does anybody in this room believe God's got a future for them? Come on, why don't we close our eyes together this morning. Father, I just want to thank you that you have got a future for every single person in this room. I thank you that you have something that is indeed yearning within us with a sense of destiny and future. I pray, oh Lord, that you would awaken, awaken your call in our lives. I pray that we would know you, Jesus, in a real way. I pray, Father, that something of life would literally just be awakened in our hearts. I pray for every person that's hearing my voice this morning who maybe even has lost their future. And I pray, God, that you would bring that future into their now, today. Call us out of pressure and call us into promise. Call us out of the voice that screams from our today 
bring us out to the place you have. And the book of Job is an amazing passage that says, He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place that is free from restriction. He is wooing you, calling you. Job 36, 18. From the jaws of distress to a spacious place that is free from restriction. Wooing us from the now to the future that He has. So Holy Spirit, right now, that deposit that guarantees our inheritance, that touch of heaven that lives in so many hearts in this room, would you wander rose? Would you fill hearts right now? Would you put a promise on the inside of us? Tomorrow will be blessed. That the future will be amazing. Somebody needs to know that there's no limits over their career. Somebody needs to know God hasn't forgotten the dream. Somebody needs to know that there's life after this challenge. Somebody needs to know in this room that there is going to be a new season where the Lord will use you powerfully. There will. God needs us to come alive again with the future that He has for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.